Lone Star Gun Talk is a Lone Star Gun Rights production. Original music and hosted by Derek Wills. Copyright Lone Star Gun Rights 2019. Gunners, welcome to the podcast. This is Lone Star Gun Talk, the official podcast of Lone Star Gun Rights, and I am your humble host, as always, Derek Will. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, today we have kind of a special treat for you. We have um, the, uh, I guess, creator of the repeal the repeal the Hughes Amendment Facebook page, uh, and his name is Jamie Forbush, and he is making a film on the National Firearms Act, as well as some other things. And he is here with me today. Jamie, are you there, sir? I'm here. Good, All right. good to be here, Derek. Well, thank you for coming on uh, very much. I really appreciate it. Uh, guys, go ahead and chime in with uh, where you're from. And uh, as we go along, if you guys have questions for Jamie, please feel free to uh, chime in. Uh, Jamie, first of all, let's get into a little bit about you. What... Uh, who, who are you, what do you do, and uh, what makes you passionate about, uh, I guess, Second Amendment rights, and the, particularly the National Firearms Act and um, the uh, Hughes Amendment? Well, I, I've, I've really loved firearms my whole life. I think just it's the, the engineer in me, if you will. I love how firearms work. They're fascinating to me. Uh, I think I really got turned on to firearms when I watched the movie Aliens when it came out back in the late 80s. I just was fascinated. I loved the way the gun sounded. And then I, you know, later on realized, well, they don't sound like that at all. But uh, um, I just, over the years, I've really developed a passion too for history and, and our rights. Our Constitution history has been a very big thing for me, and, and as I've studied it more, I've realized that we're going down a path that has been repeated many times in history. Uh, we're losing our rights, and, and our Second Amendment rights are paramount to all other rights that we have. If we lose those, we lose everything. So um, I, I just want to help people understand that more and become more passionate about it and have a, an understanding and respect for our founders and why uh, they put in place the things they did to guarantee those natural rights that we have. So, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of a, a history junkie of sorts, particularly as it relates to uh, the gun control laws of the United States. Uh, and you've kind of delved pretty deeply into how things like the National Firearms Act came to existence. Um, what sorts of things have you learned that you believe that most people don't know about those pieces of legislation uh, that you feel that everyone should? Well, as I was discussing with you before we went live here, uh, just in reading, I've had to do a lot of studying of the, the NFA, uh, just the hearings, uh, the 9066 bill that went through back in 1934. There's a lot there to read and, and pick apart and study. And I'll tell you, uh, 
we think politicians nowadays are crooked and and in violation of their oath. But you go back and you read some of the stuff that uh, that was said in these hearings by elected representatives in, in the U.S. House. Uh, it, it's appalling, uh, and and it ought to scare the hell out of every single American who reads anything of it. And so. And to me, the National Firearms Act is probably the most egregious uh, violation of the Second Amendment that there is. It's the first big thing that ever went through. Uh, it set precedent that said, okay, well, we can whittle away here. We can tax here. We can prohibit. Well, what's to say that in this day and age today that more items can't be added to that? And that's exactly what that framework is, is to be able to add additional types of firearms and arms to that exact tax law. Um, and so if we sit silent and we allow that to continue on, then we're consenting to have all of our firearms added to that or removed from us completely. The other thing is that the, the National Firearms Act went through before you and I were ever even born. We didn't get a say in this. We were born into a sense of tyranny already. Uh, and so where, where was my say on that? So I'm having my say now, and I want to help other people have their say on that. But they need to realize how bad it is. Right. You know, it's, it's interesting that you, uh, you mentioned that uh, I'm a, I am an avid lover of Thomas Jefferson. I, I believe that Thomas Jefferson is my spirit animal, and he has helped guide me into the, um, the person that I am today from you know, from a non-parental standpoint. Uh, and one of the things that Jefferson believed, uh, and whenever he says this, he's not referring to the Bill of Rights. He's referring to the form of government. Uh, he believed that every 19 years, which he defined as a generation, uh, every 19 years we should abolish the Constitution and start over for the very reason that we haven't, that the next generation hasn't had a say on what uh what the previous generation created uh now in theory that it it's interesting to think about but in practice obviously nothing you know something like that couldn't work because uh just because of the dynamic that human beings have as it relates to government and uh i sure. i would have seen that if it were actually put into practice i would probably see it as a uh um we would be far worse off in this country right now today if we had recrafted the constitution and our laws every 19 years uh than we are oh, currently but uh that whole thing aside your your point is well taken in the fact that uh that we are bound by laws that our grandparents parents created or our grandparents yeah our grandparents parents created yeah and yeah uh not to mention you know we don't think about uh the NFA too terribly much at, at, from a today's standpoint, in that a two hundred dollar tax is not really that outrageous, but what we forget is that the dollar has devalued by over ninety six percent, and so at the time that two hundred dollars was very cost prohibitive. It was, oh, yeah. it was several thousand dollars if if my if I remember my inflation calculator correctly, I believe that two hundred dollars in nineteen thirty four was over five thousand dollars today. 
it was very prohibitive. Yeah, and uh, you know, one thing that's interesting, and this is going to the Hughes Amendment, which is the the other part of your passion project, uh, is that when the Hughes Amendment, which banned fully automatic weapons, was enacted in 1986, uh, the price of an M16 with select fire went from about $700 to $20,000 overnight, again, making another cost-prohibitive, and it's not necessarily a tax, but a cost-prohibitive restriction on a certain type of firearm. Because at that point, you can't manufacture anything prior to a date anymore. So everything's surplus. And uh, so anyway, I I don't mean to go off into the weeds here, but... um, Let's get back to uh, let's let's get back to some of the other things about it. You know, we we also had. Can I the, can I just add? Yeah, can sure. I just add one thing real quick, Derek? Absolutely. Hold that hold that thought. But just to answer a couple things that you brought up there, the NFA tax nowadays two hundred dollars isn't much money for most people. But let's think of it in this term: uh, if you look at the NFA, if, if you want to have a short-barreled rifle or a transferable machine gun, regardless of what the cost of those weapons may be to, to procure. The point is, is that if you don't pay that $200 tax and, and have that stamp sent back to you on that Form 1 or that Form 4, if you're caught with that weapon in that configuration without that tax, you are criminalized. That's why we're calling this movie Protected Criminality because it's a protected right in which you're being criminalized for exercising if you don't pay that $200 extortion money. That's what I call it is extortion money because you're being extorted in exchange for, okay, well, we won't throw you in prison for up to 10 years uh, if you pay this $200 tax. That's the conditions in which we're going to grant you uh, the right that's already your protected right. So what I'm trying to do is put it into perspective that way for people to understand just how egregious it is. Right, and and not to mention, I mean, if you if anybody who is of the pro-liberty mindset, they're familiar with the tragedies at Ruby Ridge and at Waco. And mm-hmm. to be honest, those tragedies were entirely caused at their foundation because of the existence of the National Firearms Act. Yep. You know, uh, the National Firearms Act is more dangerous by far than any weapon or weapon type that is on its prohibition section, if you will. Yeah. I mean, just thinking back to Ruby Ridge, I had a, a show not too long ago where I had another podcast host on, um, and uh, his, his name is Phil Rabelais, and... Uh, he hosts the Matter of Facts podcast, and we talked about Ruby Ridge for a bit. And uh, if you really think about it, Randy Weaver and his uh, Randy Weaver's entire family was killed by the FBI over the over a matter of a few hundred dollars in taxes. Mm-hmm. And you know that sort of thing is is atrocious, and and all because all because there is a a mandatory tax on an inanimate object that really nobody's going to nobody who would have followed the NFA or will follow the NFA is going to do anything bad with it. So you don't need it to begin with. But anyway, I, I digress. So let's yeah. get back to 
uh, let's get back to you. You started the, the Repeal the Hughes Amendment Facebook page, um, and now you are taking on this other venture where you are creating a film that you have called Protected Criminally. Uh, criminality? Criminally? Uh, protected Criminality. Protected Criminality. I'm sorry about that. Uh, and why don't you give us a quick synopsis of what the film is going to be about? You bet. Well, first of all, just a correction. I didn't start the repeal the Hughes Amendment page or group. Um, a good friend of mine did, and I'm not going to mention his name because he didn't give me permission to say that here, but, but I, I can't take credit for that. I, I helped him manage it. I, I had a lot of information to it, and it's really been fun, and, and, and I've really appreciated being able to help people understand things better uh, through that venue. But uh, in terms of the movie, uh, I, I just, over the years, I've become really frustrated because we sit and we argue on Facebook about things, uh, or you'll read an article about how someone else was criminalized for having a, a weapon in a configuration that they're not supposed to have, they didn't pay the tax, or whatever the case may be. And you sit there and you feel powerless. It, it, it enrages you at the idea that, okay, we, we are literally in tyranny here, but we can't do anything about it. And you and I, most of us are the type of people, we're not violent people. We, uh, we're not going to go out and start a war tomorrow. Uh, and so what do you do? You want to keep things civil. You want to get it so people understand things, but how do you get that word out? And my coming from the background of, of doing special effects and filmmaking, broadcasting, all of that jazz, I figured, well, gee, you know, I got these talents. Why don't I put them to some good use somewhere besides just needlessly arguing with people over, over stupid stuff? Uh, Let's get people's emotions involved where they can really start to learn things. I, I've noticed that people are much more efficient in how they learn uh, things when you, when you inject some emotion into it or some entertainment of some sort. It, it really helps it stick in their mind more because it's getting a much broader range of things going in the mind. There's some psychology behind it. And so... Uh, and it's the same kind of psychology that we both deal with when we read these stories about people being incarcerated, you know, merely for exercising their rights. So let's put that into let's put that into a dramatic scene and use history and use proper uh, history to describe how to get out of the situation. So the movie is quite simply just about a guy who did just what we read about all the time. He had an, an NFA type of weapon, uh, and he, one of his neighbors, who was a trusted best friend, uh, ended up telling someone about him, and that got back to, to the federal government. And, of course, we all know what happens after that. And so what it portrays is that your, your own best friend or family member could be your worst enemy uh, in this day of rat people out the government. We're creating a, a society where so-and-so rats out so-and-so. It's he versus she. Uh, and, and so but what happens ultimately in the movie is he, uh, he is uh, told to, to uh, go ahead and just take the deal. And he says, no, I'm not going to take the deal because he's principled. 
he understands principles of liberty, and he says, I'm not going to take this deal because it's not right. I'm going to fight this. And the attorney says, well, gee, you know, you're not going to win. I don't care. Then we better figure out. We better go back through history. Let's go back through time. Let's study all of these, the NSA, the founding of our nation, the Hughes Amendment. Let's study all of these, find out where the Achilles heel is so that we can present our case to a jury and have a jury nullify this clearly unconstitutional uh, set of laws that is being used to prosecute him. And so that's, that's the premise behind the movie. It's, it's to get you upset in a way that you can have some emotion there, but in a positive way to say, well, hey, here's the constructive method in which we can go and combat these types of egregious violations of our rights. Here, here is the remedy if people will take it and actually start to put it into motion. If we can teach the public, hey, if you're called to be on a jury, do you know what the Constitution actually says in it? Do you know what your rights are that it protects? The Constitution doesn't grant rights, as we know. It's a set of principles that protects an already set of rights that are inherent for us. But if people don't know those and they go get on a jury— they're just going to be told what the law is. The judge says, I will instruct you to the law. Well, what is the law? Do you know what the law is? You have a mind for yourself. Use it. Right. And I'll tell you, uh, I am I'm very uh, impressed with how this synopsis just kind of goes into just various different means of, well, uh, about liberty in general. So it, it's about the right to bear arms, but you also have you know, jury nullification, which is a very important part of the process that most people don't yeah. understand or even know about. Uh, yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things that people need to understand that it's their right as a juror to to find somebody not guilty of a crime, even though there might be ample evidence for a conviction. Yep, for the fact that they don't believe that what they did should be a crime. It's a, it's a, exactly. If you really think about it, jury nullification is one of the final checks against the government. Uh, Absolutely. As it relates to prosecuting of crimes. Now, that's not going to establish precedent uh, where nobody will ever be held uh, for that crime again, but at least that person uh, will not be held, uh, found guilty of a crime that shouldn't be a crime to begin with. Uh, you also mentioned, um, I'm just, uh, sorry, I'm reading through a couple of the comments here. Uh, Jacob says, my problem with the NFA is that uh, year wait for my firearm, the extensive checks, and the fact that I'm the only person who can be in possession of my firearm. And even if you get a trust, you have to make sure that those are the people that you want to share it with. Um, exactly. Uh, and, and another thing that I, that I really appreciate is that you're taking this uh, emotional kind of spin on things and you know i've i've long maintained that there are only two ways to really think emotionally and logically you can't they're they're antithetical forms of thought so you can't mm -hmm. think logically while being emotional and you can't uh you can't think emotionally if you are a logical person uh you you i mean Oh, that's not exactly what I mean, but basically, you can't think logically if you're in a, if if your emotions are controlling you. That's essentially the point. Uh, and 
that's why the left is so good at what they do because they drive yeah. emotion because emotion connects with people uh it, yep. if you really kind of want to put a twisted way about it emotions are sexy they appeal to people because people can relate with emotions They're like oh yeah children are dying that's awful oh uh <laughs> Randy Weaver is a is a part of a local Ku Klux Klan uh, organization. That's an awful human being. Or you know uh, the uh, David Koresh and his family—they're doing weird things. You know, all of these emotions just are crammed down our throats, and that is why yeah. we end up with some of the most awful pieces of anti-liberty legislation that we have. Uh, you know. Just as a for instance, here in Texas, uh, I, I was briefly mentioning to you about what happened with SB10 and SB11, which uh, I'm hoping to cover on a future show. Don't don't worry, I haven't forgotten about it, guys. Uh, <laughs> but one of the things that all of the media were reporting was that, you know, uh, Jonathan Stickland did this. Oh, and by the way, we're just going to throw this out here. It was just a few days after the anniversary of the Santa Fe high school uh, high school shooting, because they want to keep that that emotion tied to everything because it is so powerful. And never let a good tragedy go to waste. Exactly, exactly. And unfortunately, whenever people's emotions are charged. That's how you end up with bad public policy. And it doesn't have to be with firearms. It could be with literally anything else. Um, exactly. And one other point that you brought up is how uh, it was a trusted friend who said something. And that ultimately led to the, the course of events that's going to take place in this film. That sounds Correct. awfully similar to what's going on with the red flag laws, too. Yep, it sure does, doesn't it? <laughs> and, and, you know, the, those are awful laws to begin with. Again, driven by emotion. And what we've already seen uh, one person who has been killed as a result of red flag laws in, in Maryland yep. where uh, yep. he didn't know what was going on because all of them are ex parte hearings because reasons. And next thing he knows, he has police you know, beating down his door, telling him to give up his guns. And he's like, no. And then ultimately he ends up getting shot and killed as a result. Uh, yep. It's, it's amazing that I, I appreciate the fact that you're able to transform the left's, uh, I guess, playbook of using emotions to tell a story in order to try and logically explain why all of this is, is absolutely awful. Well, emotions, you know, emotions, we have them for a reason. I, I've studied psychology for a long time. I spent a lot of years in the criminal uh, field of investigating people, uh, computer crimes, so on and so forth. And uh, so I've studied a lot about emotion and human psychology in general. And I'll tell you, uh, we have it for a reason. It helps us learn things. If we can channel emotion correctly and not abuse it, uh, that's what the left does is they abuse emotions. They, they use it, they, they overuse it. And that's, there's never any, there's never any remedy to a situation. It's always bringing up the problem. What we have to do is we have to learn to channel it correctly by saying, Hey, 
here, here's a problem, and it's concerning. And yeah, we may get a little emotional or a little upset about it at first. But the objective is to say, hey, now let's take this. Let's take this alarming situation or this alarming idea and let's channel it into something that's constructive. Even our own gun rights community, a lot of people are so emotionally driven to a negative, and, and that's what this film hopes to get rid of too. Even on the repeal the Hughes Amendment page, we have this happen all the time where people get on and, oh, it's never going to happen. You're never going to get this repealed or you're never going to get this nullified. We're, we're effed uh, is essentially the message. And it's like, no, you can't think like that. Uh, yeah, there's a problem. We know it. We recognize it. Our rights are being violated. Now let's come together. Let's be precision about how we take this apart. And, and so we can use that emotion for something very positive. And that's what this film is trying to do is use that emotion and channel it and give people some form of hope that says, Hey, this really can be done. Juries really can nullify uh, laws that are not constitutionally correct. Um, and just another point you brought up there, Derek, a few minutes ago, you talked about Ruby Ridge and, and then you brought up Waco, uh, which both are, uh, direct results of how dangerous and deadly the NFA is. Isn't it interesting that you and I both sit on this podcast here and you're in Texas and I'm in Idaho. Um, it, it's very fitting, I believe, that we're on this call talking about these things uh, representative of these American tragedies that have happened in the same states that we're both in currently. You know, that's, uh, that's an interesting coincidence, if I may say so myself. Uh, so where are you at with this film? You're, uh, you're trying, to, you're trying to, to raise funds, correct? Yeah, so this is a film, you know, typically stuff that's made, there's a budget for it, and, and it's a budget that, you have to sink in and you have to fund it yourself. But this is something that we're never going to make a profit on it. You know, any time that someone watches it, uh, whatever, we don't want to make a profit on it. We want them to freely be able to have distribution or give distribution of it. And, and here's why. Because if I make that hard for you to watch, if you've got to pay money to watch it, to rent it, buy it, whatever, uh, it may not be a very effective tool. Uh, let's say you've got a bunch of friends who are having a difficult time understanding some of these laws or they don't want to understand them. And let's say you say, hey, well, here's this tool that I can use. I want you to be able to freely have access to it to either distribute it to them or show it to them without having to have any cost accrued in that. And so the only way we make that available is to make it free and where it's going to be free we're not going to make any money on we're not going to be able to feed our families off of it so the only way we can do this is to crowdfund it uh reasonably that's the only way we can do it and so the challenge has been to to get people to understand that to understand who i am uh to be accountable to people to get out there and and have the utmost uh being frank with people about it, um, 
you name it, trying to be very transparent as to what we're doing. And uh, I, I'm having a difficult time with that to some extent. Um, people are not putting two and two together. Uh, we've done paid Facebook advertising and people who, uh, a lot of people like it, but likes don't help us. Right. Uh, what helps is someone going to the page and re- you know the funding page and reading a very extensive amount of information that goes into detail on this or watching the video. And what's interesting, Derek, is I've noticed is people actually contribute to it either on PayPal or on on GoFundMe. Uh, as people watch the video, because I can see when they watch it, it, it almost directly correlates to when we get someone contributing. Uh, versus people just like it because they see it and it looks cool in their Facebook feed. They're not actually getting the information. They're not putting two and two together, and that's the most difficult time we're having is is getting it correlated. I I had two questions that we had answered this morning on the protected criminality page. Uh, someone saying, "Hey, tell me about this. I don't know what you're trying to do," and that's not their fault. Somehow we have failed or Facebook has failed or something in painting that picture form and getting them to that page where they could have seen all that information. And once I asked, answered the questions, which is already spelled out very in detail on the description, they felt happy that their questions were answered. So we're just, we're not getting that correlation made. And that, that's been the most challenging uh, part of it up to this point. So how much money do you expect that you'll need to raise in order to make this uh, project become a reality? So this pro- where this has got to be a movie that's done right, keyword done right, uh, in order for it to be taken serious by people, uh, it's by all means, it's not a high-budget movie. High-budget movies are hundreds of millions or 50-plus million. Uh, this this one here is going to require about 1.2, um, and we're going to need to get to about 600 in order to start active production on it. Um, so, in in the grand scheme of things, that's a very small amount of money, especially in the crowdfunding uh, market these days. So it, it's it's entirely possible. Uh, we're in it for the long run. Um, we're not going to bow out just because the going gets tough. If we have to take more time to do it, we're going to do it. And we're going to keep pressing on it because at this point we're committed. People have already given us money and we have a responsibility to them to make sure that something good comes out of this. And, uh, so we're, uh, we're in the initial stages of the, of the crowdfunding. Um, we've got almost couple thousand dollars at this point uh many many more thousands to go obviously but we'll get there um but what is going to be needed is to continue to hammer this point you know for me to come on podcasts and radio shows and level with people have them get into my head a little bit to understand where i'm coming from and why i wanted to make this um once people can catch that passion i have no doubt that they're going to come into this and, and some people will come into it with greater sums of money. You know, we have a, a kind of a gifting system on it as well, depending on how much people give, uh, they can be in the credits, opening credits, closing, you name it. So we want to recognize people and, and recognize that, Hey, you're part of the community that put this together. 
You know, this is a community tool for teaching. Well, guess what? You're part of that community. You helped contribute to it. And we want you to be recognized if, if you don't mind having your name out there. Uh, so there's a lot of facets to it. You know, uh, I got your uh, I got your Facebook page up here on the uh, on the monitor for people to see, and I'm just kind of scrolling through, and you post a lot of really great information here, uh, like like this um, a, a quote from Congressman David John Lewis. Approaching the subject of firearms, would you not consider that society is under the same duty to protect the innocent that it is with regard to the automobile, and that with a view to, uh, to the attainment to that result? The person who wishes the privilege of bearing firearms should submit to the same regulations as rigid as automobile owner and driver is required to accept. You know, I think I've heard that before. That sounds so familiar <laughs> to me, and I can't understand why. I, I, they've never said something like that before. Uh, I've, I've never heard that. I, am I wrong here? I, uh, I, I love the keyword <laughs> privilege. Privilege. Right. Uh, you know, there. if you have to ask for permission to do something, you don't have the right to do it. Period. Exactly. End of story. Um, exactly. And... It just it, it blows my mind that 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 there are a there is a large group of the population that is okay with things like this, but it has to do mm -hmm. with the fact that their emotional centers have been triggered uh, because of the fact that people have uh, you know been killed. Well, and fear that, governs. Well, yeah, and fear governs and. If you can if you can give people some fear, then they'll allow their fellow citizens to be governed in ways that they shouldn't be governed. You know, people need to understand that the the real only responsibility of the government is the protection of life, liberty, and property. And those are the things the government's failing the most at these days. Um, it's not to take liberty; it's to protect liberty. And so, if I'm doesn't matter what kind of arm I have, arms, uh, if I'm using them to harm your life, liberty, or property, or threaten them in any way, then I'm committing a crime. I, you're, you become a victim. Uh, but my merely having possession of those things, whether it be because I like them, I'm fascinated with them, or because I want to protect myself in the future, whatever, that's no one's business, but whatever that case may be, if I'm not harming someone with them, I mean, what we've created as a society, in essence, is this idea of minority report. You may commit a crime if you have a machine gun. You may be a bad guy. Well, you know what? You may be a bad guy if you have a knife, too. I mean, everyone may be something because they have something. It's where do you go with that, and how how far do you let that go? The principle to me is that we protect liberty, uh, and the government's failing miserably at that. Right. So. Well, let's not forget the uh, the words of Congressman William Hughes. What sporting purpose does a machine mm -hmm. gun have? <laughs> As to what sporting value. Who needs a machine gun? Yeah. Notice how he wouldn't even let him read the... He wouldn't even uh, allow the reading of the bill. 
he right. interrupted the reading of the bill four or five times throughout that committee hearing. Yeah, and uh, it passed with a uh, a voice vote, and uh, well, I don't I don't like the idea of a voice vote because it's there's no record on it. It just says passed no. with a voice vote, um, and I think that if a any elected official is setting the policy of the United States, they should be required to go on the record as to how they voted. Uh, I don't, I've mm -hmm, never liked sure. the idea of a voice vote. Um, and uh, I, I, I just, it, it, it just allows for, for one, it's subjective because the, the chairman can always say, oh yeah, I think the eyes were louder or I think the nays were louder yeah. on whatever it, it was. And, in fairness, if you watch that video of the Voltner substitute getting passed, uh, yeah, the eyes were a bit louder. But it was one of those things where they, uh, it was just one of those late night cram it through things. Yep. Uh, but you know, all of that who was present and who wasn't. Yeah, and and all of that aside, um. You know, Congress ended up passing it with that amendment in there, and Reagan ended up signing it with that amendment in there, knowing full well that that amendment was in there. Uh, so, yep. you know, you can't, we can't just be mad at, at William Hughes. Uh, I mean, obviously, he was the architect oh, of no. that amendment, but let's be real here. Gun control has never become law without the support of Republicans. And yep. uh, it's, it's one of those things that just drives me absolutely crazy. Oh, by the, uh, I hate to drastically change subjects, but real quick, I want to let everybody know here. Uh, we sent out an email to our members uh, yesterday about there was a there's a bill that went through the House that would allow uh, the carrying of a handgun during a state of disaster for 168 hours. And the Senate got the bill and one senator named Joan Huffman, who I cannot stand that woman. Uh, decided that that was too much of a breadcrumb of liberty to be given back to us. So uh, she put in a, a substitute that said 48 hours. Well, uh, it just broke today, ladies and gentlemen of Texas, that that substitute was rejected and the Senate has concurred with the 168 hours. I'm actually surprised that that happened. Wow. Uh, so... If we experience another Hurricane Harvey, you will have one week of, of constitutional carry. Congratulations. Yay, crumbs Don't of liberty. Texas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, getting back to this. Um, so what sorts of, uh, aside from uh, monetary, uh, you're in Idaho. That's definitely going to be, uh, are you planning on filming in Idaho? Or are you looking at locations? Or, or what's the? There's. Uh, so both Utah and Idaho is where we'll be filming, and then I'm also uh, got a couple of other locations that we'll be filming uh, at as well uh, to be announced. Just because we're still working the details of it out. Um. So, but yeah, a majority of it will be filmed here. Okay, and I assume that you would be very much interested in having some volunteers. Oh, absolutely! You know this this. Again, where we're not, where this is not a for-profit venture, uh, production, whatever you want to call it, uh, a lot of input, a lot of volunteering, a lot of uh, 
donation of financial resources or co- contribution is the word I like to use. And, and, and the most importantly, uh, the promotion or pushing of it, you know, getting it out there. So the people here, when they hear the term protected criminality, they know what that means. And that takes a while to establish that kind of uh, rapport. But, and I've had a lot of people ask me, why did you name it protected criminality? You know, what, what's the sense in that? And, you know, it, it's, it speaks for itself. You just got to be able to put two and two together. We have a protected right. We're a set of protected rights. They're inherent. But people are being criminalized for them. So I just, I wanted a simple two, two word title for it. Uh, so it wasn't this big long title, you know. Um, there's, there's reason and meaning behind it. You just got to think about it for a minute. But once we get that rapport with, People knowing the title and associating it with what that means, you know, we're going to be on a much faster path to success. And that only happens by people pushing it and helping others understand it. Well, uh, you you already have one volunteer. Jacob says that I'm actually trying to get into acting. I'm more than willing to volunteer my time for the smallest of parts. So, uh, Jacob, if uh, if they hit their target and they can start filming. Uh, I'm sure that Jamie would love to have you up in Idaho to, uh, to we'd help. love it. Yeah. We'd uh, love it. Well, um, I'm going to keep pushing this guys. If you're listening to this, the, the, uh, Facebook page is protected criminality movie. Uh, I will put a, I put a link in comments here, but I will also put it in the show notes. If you're listening to the audio only version. Um, and you know, help these guys out, share everything that they can, like their page. Uh, and if you can, uh, shoot some donations over to them because that's the only way that we're going to get, uh, this film made. Um, unless we have a major, uh, contributor just say, yeah, I'll finance the whole thing, uh, which would be great, but I'm not going to hold my breath on that. So, um, (laughs) you know, small donations make things happen. So, uh, um, you know, know, just your lunch money. Yeah, I mean, what you might spend on lunch for one or two days would help. You know, we get enough people in there. It's a, it's a volume thing. You know, I, I'm not asking everyone to just throw thousands of dollars at it. Throw five, ten, fifteen bucks at it. Even you know what you might spend on lunch for a day or two. Just put a little bit of something in there, and the faster that flows in, the fast. Crowdfunding is kind of tricky, and I'm learning what an art it is, and 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 how ill-equipped that we are <laughs> because we've never really done this the crowdfunding before. But it's it's a thing where if it speeds up and more people are putting in, then other people feel more uh, content to put in as well because it looks like something that's going somewhere. Whereas if it's not going anywhere, then no one puts anything in, and that's the time when everyone really needs to be putting something in. So it's, you know, it's something we have to get the momentum up there and then really keep it going to, to meet those goals. And whether that that can be done in a couple of days, some people crowdfund millions of dollars in a couple of days. Others take years to crowdfund. And and so it's just, uh, it really just depends. It's it's in the hands of the people at this point. Right. <laughs> um, so... But we'll we'll get there one way or the other. We have to. We're committed. We we owe a great deal of allegiance to people who have already put into it, and that that is sacred money uh, that is earmarked in a in a bank fund, and that it's just sitting there until it, it's built to the point where we can begin active production. 
Right. Well, uh, as the as the adage goes, uh, it's easier to get a million people to give you a dollar than an, and than one person to give you a million dollars. That's yep. kind of the yep. That's kind of the the <laughs> mentality that you're going for in the in the tactic. Uh, before I wrap things up here, do you have anything else that you want to? Uh, oh, by the way, Ryan says put me to work. So uh, you got a couple of volunteers here. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to tell people either about your your film, yourself, uh, your page, anything like that that you'd like to leave with everybody? Well, I just you know we we're all we're all good people. I believe that everyone in this effort. And in other gun rights efforts, I know Lone Star gun rights, we're all good people. Uh, we're not violent people. We're not people who are out there to hurt people, anything of that sort. We just want our liberties. And we're, it, it is time that we come out and, and be upfront and honest about it. Some people say, well, you, you don't, why would you need a machine gun or why would you need this? Well, the need factor has never been important. The factor is that it's a set of principles, and and we're trying to push those principles out to people so that they can understand the bigger picture. It's like bump stocks. How many people did we see come out and say, well, gee, you know, bump stocks are stupid. Uh, they don't do the real thing. No one needs them. I can do the same thing with my trigger. Well, that may be true. I've never, I've never even used a bump stock, to be honest with you. I've, I've never fired one. I don't own one, uh, and I, I just never really saw the purpose. Kind of, a, it, it's just a novelty item, okay? But who am I, and who are you, tell anyone else that they don't need that? It, it, maybe that's just something they find joy in that they want to take to the range for a couple of kicks and giggles. Yeah. Know, whatever their case. We have principles of liberty, and that's the important factor that we have to remember. If we could get everyone to be principled in understanding that, hey, you and I don't have the, the right to control other people and tell them what they need and don't need, that's the point we're trying to drive home. And, and as people start to understand that more, you know, we can have a society that lives and let live. And guess what? The, the bad people that truly want to harm you and I and, and everyone else who's innocent, they're not going to try very hard because they're going to know that they're being, they'll be stopped. Uh, right. That's and something we all have. Not to mention that those who will try have a higher chance of getting stopped and therefore lives could actually be saved uh, by dialing back these all of these restrictions. You know, I, our organization has always been our main focus right now is trying to get constitutional carry passed and mm -hmm. everybody's like, well, you got blood in the streets, you know, or as the speaker says, well, this is only wanted by people who live out in the woods in a cave somewhere. Um, so, and it's just one of those, it, it's, it's disheartening, but I'm so, so glad that, uh, that you are pushing this project and that you, you, are wanting to to get this project to be made um you know i i kind of a little self-plug here uh you know i'm working on a, a book that kind of tackles the very same uh thing but from a, a, a standpoint of overall liberty for various different issues mm -hmm. uh and you know i think that if people who are liberty-minded can 
can actually come together and unify and push a message of liberty uh, and do so in, in the way that, that you're doing, I think that m more people, like the average Joe, the, the folks, if you will, as politicians like to refer to them, the, the average people who aren't really politically savvy, all they, they, you know, they might turn on the news every once in a while. They might, um, you know, they, they probably vote in presidential elections if they do at all, uh, but really aren't too terribly worried about Democrats or Republicans or anything like that. They just, they just are. I think some of those yeah. people, they might resonate with that message. And as soon as you get them, as soon as you get their attention, then you can approach from from an advocacy standpoint and say, look, these people who are currently in power are doing this. And you, yeah. as an individual, have the power to help us stop them. And, and the responsibility. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, as Ryan says, we need to take back the narrative. Um, it, it's... He, he's at, Ryan, you're absolutely right. The, the narrative, it, it's an uphill battle regardless. And it always will be because uh, the, the political elites do not like liberty and they will actively try and squish the, the, the pushing of liberty. Um, because, and they might do so because they honestly believe that, re, that granting that type of liberty will be dangerous uh, and they want to. They are genuinely concerned about the well-being of people. They're misguided. Couple, but a couple points. Yeah, sure. You know, I I trust my fellow Americans, uh, and I and I don't know what has taken place with so many politicians, whether it be the federal, state, local level, why they distrust the people in which they serve or are supposed to serve. Um, I, you know, if I knew that my neighbors all had machine guns, it, it'd be all the better. You know, I, I wouldn't feel unsafe because I trust the people who live in this country with me. Yeah, there's some bad apples here and there, but they're so far and few in between. I have a lot more trust in my fellow citizens than I do any politician any day. And, and so I just, we got to get back to a point where politicians uh, trust, and I think the only way to do that is power seduces. You know, you can put the best person in the world in office, and if they're there long enough, they get used to that power because it feels good to have that type of uh, wand, if you will, uh, that you can use against the people. But it's not—it's temporary. That's power that's on loan to you. And and you have to be accountable in the way in which you use it. We talked earlier about voice votes. You know, there's an accountability. We all have to be accountable to someone, whether it be for financial stuff, uh, the power. And we've got to get politicians back to that level uh, where that's enforced. Uh, it's, it's, it's a tragedy. And, oh, and hey, I will put in a... Uh, plug for your book as well. I, I've been reading Derek's book. Uh, very, very well written thus far. And I think it's going to be a really hot item when it gets out there. I, I love it. Oh, well, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Uh, I still got a lot of work left to do on it. Uh, and there's going to be some 
there there are going to be some parts that everybody who reads it is going to find something in this book to disagree with but that's kind of what makes the book awesome is that sure you know it's it i i'm approaching this project from a standpoint of liberty regardless if i agree with it or disagree with it now obviously with this being a book about my philosophies on liberty i agree with everything that i'm writing in this book uh but you know that doesn't mean that somebody's going to open it up to um you know chapter whatever and be, and say wow this guy's absolutely off his rocker uh <laughs> but you know what that's that's fine that's uh that's as i kind of said in uh in the in the first chapter of it, and this is a spoiler for everybody who hasn't, uh, well, nobody's read it really. Uh, but liberty's not a beautiful thing. Liberty is actually quite ugly because that means that people get to act in a way that you don't like. Uh, you know, I, I use the analogy sure. that that um, liberty is not the Veterans Day parade down Main Street with red, white, and blue confetti and Lee Greenwood's "God Bless the USA" playing playing on the PA. No, liberty is protesting that parade by burning the american flag uh and you know that's one it's just one of those things where we uh where we need to understand that just because we don't like something or just because we don't endorse it as a good idea doesn't mean that we have liberty the authority. yeah liberty liberty can be great and it can be the worst yeah i mean you got to think of the founding of our nation when when we finally did get away from england and and the war was over uh the picture that's painted was everything, everyone lived happily ever after. Well, think about the suffering of not having the resources of England here in this nation initially. People had to build everything anew. Mm -hmm. That was a lot of hard work to come in and have that independence as anyone. You know, you and I, in, in the way our founders sought, should be granted or not granted because those can't be granted. That's that's poor choice of words. But you and I should realize that liberty that's ours to either be free enough to succeed with the sky being the limit, or we also have the liberty to fail miserably uh, to the lowest depths of the earth. And so that that is it's agency. It's about agency, and agency is a principle. Uh, a lot of people don't like it anymore because agency also has with it a set of uh, being accountability. Yeah. You know, you make a mistake, you do something the wrong way, you're going to be accountable for it. You, you cannot avoid those consequences. Uh, but at the same time, you should never be penalized uh, for having those upside, those pluses liberty as well when you do something right and that's what we have done as a nation is we've succeeded in punishing people when they do something good uh or when they could have something good absolutely and, and that's that's where we're at so yeah, absolutely well um jamie i'm gonna wrap things up here i really appreciate you being on my show today um you know guys go Thank check you. out their facebook page uh it's a protected criminality movie uh, I've got the links in the in the show notes along with their GoFundMe, um, and uh, if you can throw 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 a couple of dollars their way, help them get this project funded, and uh, um, you know let's make this a reality. Uh, I appreciate it, guys. Until next Sunday, arm yourself with knowledge and share the ammo.